Medical assistance in dying, it's been in the news, in the headlines lately, for all the wrong reasons. Hello, I'm Brian Lilly, guest host of Full Comment this week, and we're going to delve into the issue of medical assistance in dying from a very specific angle. But before we get to that, let's just set the table. It first became legal in Canada to seek help in dying from a medical professional in 2016. This was prompted by a Supreme Court decision telling the federal government to change the legislation. Now, MPs are looking at expanding it to include people dealing with mental illness. There's also been calls from some medical professionals to say medical assistance in dying should be expanded to younger age groups, including even infants, according to some. But that's not what has the conversation going in Canada right now. The conversation is being driven primarily around the issue of veterans. Veterans seeking assistance for a variety of medical or psychological issues being offered the chance to seek medical assistance in dying instead of getting the help they need. It's prompted a review at Veterans Affairs Canada, and it has people wondering, where have we gone as a country? One of the people who has been at the forefront of this is uh, Mark Menke. He is the host of a podcast called Operation Tango Romeo. It deals with these very issues. Well, a lot of other issues. I'll let Mark explain it now as he joins me. Mark, Operation Tango Romeo. Explain what that means, the TR. The TR in Tango Romeo stands for trauma recovery. So how this started was I was a peer support facilitator for a year or two, and we had people driving for two, three hours every other week to, to be part of that group. And I thought, well, geez, it must be a lot of value here for people to be put in that kind of effort. So I wanted to scale it. And that's what I did. And now it's available around the world instead of just our, our little group. So that's how it started as, uh, as for peer support. And then it became an aggregate for healing modalities. So I go and find everybody that I can, every resource that I possibly can, bring them to the show and give them a platform so that people can shop from like a Chinese menu of services. And now, through no planning of my own, it's become an advocacy project as well. Uh, because of my center point in the veteran community, people just keep coming to me and asking for help. Uh, sometimes I can help, sometimes I can't, but I always try. And if I can't, I redirect them. But a fella came to me with audio recordings of his that he made of his phone calls with Veterans Affairs Canada. And these recordings, these two recordings that he gave me, were the apology calls from Veterans Affairs Canada apologizing for offering MAID. And since that has come across my desk, I haven't stopped with trying to understand this myself. And it's been an ever-evolving story uh, right up until the last week when Christine Gauthier, um had testified in front of a committee there, the Standing Committee of Veterans Affairs. And it's a far worse problem than I ever would have imagined when I was first exposed to this. Yeah, and I want to ask you about that because it's, it, you know, been portrayed as perhaps just one Veterans Affairs agent, perhaps just a few people. As you've been discussing this, and as you say, people come to you, you've been finding out that this has been going on longer than we've been led to believe. How far back do you think this goes? How frequent is this happening? 
So let's start with um, when the first veteran came out. So when the first veteran uh, came out and was broken by Global News, uh, he had come to me weeks prior and told me to sit on it and, and, and not let it out of the bag. So I respected what he wanted me to do. But when and, it, and that individual remains anonymous, correct? Just un, so unfortunately, unfortunately, yes. Uh, there's three of them that yep. I've been working with that uh, are staying anonymous, which, what do you do? I have to respect their decision. It would mm-hmm. be much more powerful if they decided to use their voice, um, which one did. He uh, we goes by the pseudonym Bruce. He did a 10-minute testimonial on my show, um, but I just spoke with him yesterday, and he won't come forward to even uh, testify at the committee in an anonymous fashion. He's been um, a little bit gun-shy about all this. So the story from Veterans Affairs Canada was that there's just one veteran, and they were adamant about that. Paul Ledwell was grilled three times. He said, no, there's just one veteran. Our investigation, even though we're not done it yet, is absolutely conclusive. There's just one veteran. Well, that was quickly disproven as others started coming forward. And then the story changed. Okay, okay. So they it's not just one veteran anymore, but it's only one's veteran service agent. That's the, the new hard line that they're drawing. And I know that's not true. I know My count is up to five veteran service agents. And it's really simple math. The first, wow. The first person that came forward uh, was out of Vancouver, and veteran service agents are divvied up by region. So it was a Vancouver office person that dealt with him because he lives in B.C., Brian lives in Ontario, so he had an Ontario, um, somebody that covers the Ontario area. Christine Gauthier is in Quebec, so she has people that cover Quebec. And she had two separate veteran service agents offer her maid, one male, one female. So if you're counting the same as I am, that's four veteran service agents right there. I'm working on also one in Alberta who had a male veteran service agent offer her maid. And... I am really trying to get her to come forward. I'll keep my fingers crossed. But um, so my personal account from my personal knowledge of the work that I've been doing is five veteran service agents and they refuse to admit it. Are these any of these people who expressed an interest in MAID? we, We have accepted it as a society that this is a viable option, a legal option. But did, to your knowledge, did any of them say, you know what, I think I'd like to consider ending my life? Or were they asking for either medical, physical, psychological help? Of the four veterans that we're talking about, and which are other than the four that they found, that puts the count at eight. But of the four that uh, I have personally dealt with, um, none of them were asking for MAID. They were all going for for different uh, reasons. One, veteran number one, he was asking for help with a traumatic brain injury. Um, veteran number two was asking for help with PTSD supports. Veteran number three was asking for help with um, uh, a wheelchair lift. And all out of the blue, well, you know, if up the road, this is just too much of a burden for you to bear, we can kill you. And we'll help you, so it's not so messy. It's absolutely diabolical, Brian. You know, it's it's shocking to hear, but then you look at 
within the popular culture, things like the Quebec-based department store, Simon's, running an ad, trying to sell clothes, fashion, celebrating, made. It's something that I think that we either decided as a society to accept or depending on your view, maybe you think the Supreme Court thrust it upon us, but we, ex we accepted it, but it wasn't something to be promoted, I never thought. Well, and it's, That's the part that strikes me. It, is that how it strikes you, Mark? Well, it has to be a last resort. Now, that ad that you're talking about, her name is Jennifer. She's dead now, and after her death, all of her friends are coming forward saying she never wanted to die. She never wanted made. It was exasperation. The medical system failed her, and she didn't know what else to do. She wanted to live, but instead of offering supports, just like uh, um, Christine Gauthier with her wheelchair lift, she, well, ma'am, if this issue of dragging yourself through the snow every winter for the last five years is just too much of a burden, why don't you go kill yourself? She didn't want to die. She was looking for help. And instead of help, uh, people are being encouraged to pull the plug. Now, hypothetically, I am not opposed to made under the right circumstances. If it's your truly end of life, you have an untreatable terminal deal and you want to avoid the last couple of months of suffering, sure, makes sense. But there's a 24-year-old man who was missing um, an eye and had a little bit of depression who died on September 24th of this year on Vancouver Island. Now, that's not okay. And how is that even possible, being that made shouldn't be allowed, well, isn't allowed officially for mental health issues until March? Well, apparently that is simply a line of crap because uh, it's happening. People are already accessing it for mental health issues, even though that's not officially supposed to be accessible till March of next year. And for those that do choose, they're choosing a permanent option for a temporary problem. And... And out of exasperation because of the failure of our medical... Um, it's like racketeering. Our medical system is creating the problem through a lack of service. And then the only solution they offer for the problem that they are causing through their ineptness is assisted suicide. It's disgusting. I remember when this um, was first being discussed on, on Parliament Hill and uh, one of the MPs at the time was expressing concern he said, if we don't have enough palliative care, his, his worry was that we would have seniors under pressure to take this option because, well, hospitals are full. We can't get you into a hospice. Uh, you should consider this option. That was the concern. I never remember anybody raising the concerns that you do. I, I spoke to advocates from all sides while covering this story. I never remember hearing this uh, it being put forward for, for veterans seeking help or, uh, as you said, the young woman Jennifer uh, that was used in the ad. It, it's truly shocking. Now, Lawrence McCauley, the Veterans Affairs Minister, has come forward and said, we would like to um, hear from anyone and everyone. He's ordered an investigation internally. Do you have any faith in that, Mark? 
Zero. I uh, just received a letter from Lawrence this morning that I opened up, and I gave him the same math that I gave you, Brian, uh, breaking down how they work by region that I personally know. Here I am, little old lonely podcaster in Alberta, and I'm able to find all these people, and yet uh, they can't with with all the resources of Veterans Affairs Canada. It's absolutely ridiculous. And they say, well, call this 800 number. So you want the people who have been offered assisted suicide by Veterans Affairs Canada to call Veterans Canada to say, hey, you offered me assisted suicide. On what planet is that ever going to happen? There has to be, and the Veterans Ombudsman, I've, I've invited Nishika on the show a dozen times, and the, she's never got over the finish line. She's never been on the show. Um, I don't have any faith in those two routes that are offered, which is through the Veterans Ombudsman or directly through VAC. That's how he's saying to come forward. There has to be, if there's going to be, it has to be somebody that's third party where people are comfortable coming forward. So I have been asking, and people have been coming forward, come forward to me. Come forward to me. Clearly, I am pretty good at keeping people's names uh, out of the media. I'll protect your name if you want to, but come forward to me and let me be that center point. Or somebody else that you know that you want to have as a center point, a point, a spokesperson. But these people have to come forward. And what we really need, Brian, is a whistleblower from Veterans Affairs Canada, either a current or former employee that knows full well that caseworkers are set up by region, that knows full well that um, people were offering made. And how can it be five caseworkers and it wasn't policy? That doesn't make any sense. Five caseworkers in four, at least four different jurisdictions you found? So uh, BC, Alberta, Ontario, Quebec is what I've found so far. Yeah. No, at that point, it, it has to be policy. It has to be. The do you come at this as as a veteran yourself? Tell me your backstory, how you became involved in this. So I served ninety one to ninety five. Did about four and a half years. Um, in ninety four, I was a UN peacekeeper in Croatia during the genocide. And back in ninety four, absolutely nobody was talking about PTSD, and if they were, it wasn't in a very nice way. So when I was exhibiting over the top outbursts and just classic symptoms that we know today but back then oh mark's just crazy and uh there was no help there was nobody put their hand on my shoulder and say hey we got to talk to somebody and even if there was somebody to talk to they wouldn't have known how to handle it back then anyway um so i went 23 years without being diagnosed 23 years of a train wreck before my wife finally put my her hand on my shoulder and says mark those are just crumbs we can clean them up as i was jacking up my kid and 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 hurting him by giving always being on his case over nothing so that was 2017 when I uh, finally stepped forward, picked up the 1,000-pound telephone, got my diagnosis, and started on this road. And um, it's a brutal road. It shouldn't have to mm-hmm. be this brutal, but it's a brutal, brutal road to recovery. And a lot of people, I'd say the majority, don't make it. They either pop out of the system because it's just too darn hard, or they don't get started in the first place. Um, of everybody that has reached out for help, 
and is in the system, I would guess that 80% never did reach out for help. Uh, I think a very small portion of veterans actually use the services because they know that from all the stories that we hear in the veteran community that it's always a fight. Everybody I know who's been through VAC, it's been a fight, 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 because VAC will deny, deny, deny until you die or give up. When you're going through five years and three appeals for anything, whether it be from tinnitus or you name it, um, most people give up. So as expensive as we are to the government, um, the system is working pretty darn good to keep our mouths shut and our pockets empty. Uh, it's, it's horrendous. What kind of services are most people that you're talking to looking for? Now, you're an interesting case because you just said you went 23 years without seeking help. But there's got to be an awful lot of veterans that need a bit of help, maybe not a ton. And they're, would you say they're still not getting the assistance they need? Everybody has to fight for everything the easiest uh, service to receive is for ptsd that one seems to be a fairly low barrier to entry um so i'm grateful for that but everybody i know who um has bad knees or a bad back or uh any any physical service related injury it is absolutely grueling it is a mount everest to get to the point where you're actually receiving the services. It is unbelievable. My tinnitus claim was ridiculous. Um, deny, deny, and I, I, my ears are ringing right now just from saying the word tinnitus. <laughs> but um, uh, they're even ignoring the cause of tinnitus. It's, it has nothing to do with your ears. It's, it's neural inflammation. Um, but they want you to have an audio test. Well, what does the audio test have to do with anything? It's my brain, not my ears. And... Um, So there's just all these programs, all these barriers to these programs. And um, it it is too much, you know. So I I, uh, got my PTSD claim and I've I've left it at that. Mark, I want to ask you about getting services from Veterans Affairs Canada. You know, your case, you were 23 years without seeking assistance, uh, PTSD having a major impact on your life and your family. But there's got to be an awful lot of veterans who maybe they, they just need a little bit of help on the physical side or mental health supports or what have you. Is it difficult for for them to get assistance as well? You know, is it just hard cases that are difficult to deal with? What's it like trying to get services out of this federal body that's supposed to be there to help those who serve us? So for some reason, PTSD claims are the easiest to get services for. Although when I went through, it still took 10 months from the time I put my hand up and entered the system to the time I actually saw a therapist. And I just did a show this morning, and he was five months. So, hey, improvement. (laughs) Uh, But that's the best that they got. Um, Every other claim, if it's a physical claim of any sort, the initial claim is extraordinarily difficult. And the ongoing claim is still extraordinarily difficult. On my tour, uh, Tommy Anderson had both of his legs blown off from a landmine in Croatia uh, right at the beginning of the tour. So, I mean, that's 28 years ago. And he is still struggling for services all the time. He went uh, without prosthetic legs for, 
I don't want to put a date to it. Uh, I just follow him on on Facebook. But a considerable amount of time, like a month, that he wasn't uh, able to walk because he was getting refitted. So he was without legs for a month, you know, um, uh, and all the other issues that he's having from that landmine strike way back in 94, um, eyeball surgery, still shrapnel that's in his body. And every t- year he's got to prove his injuries. Yeah, no, legs didn't grow back. No, my eye didn't grow back. And he has to prove this every, every year. And unfortunately, these are common stories. Every, everybody I, 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 I know that's can, an can amputee. Can I just stop com- you on that? Yeah. Can I, can I just stop you on that? Because I, I've got to figure this out. How? <laughs> I, I can understand certain injuries you can you can recover from. And maybe you don't need assistance. But how have they not figured out that his legs will not grow back? Well, how they... I've heard this being asked in the House of Commons. And the answer is, well, we're just checking to see if there's been any changes on your file. It's like, like, you know, it's like, well, okay, but how about we leave out the part of the permanent injury? Um, I was talking with Brock Plaschak yesterday. He's the uh, fella who was famously asked at a town hall by Justin Trudeau. Our veterans are asking for more than we can give right now. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> so uh, I'm pretty good friends with Brock now. He's been on the show a couple of times. And his struggle through back, a guy missing a leg and a half, um, and, and pl- like lots of injuries, but he's missing a leg and a half. And it's been nothing but a ridiculous struggle for this guy the whole way through. And you'd think we'd be doing a better job with our Afghan vets than uh, we did with our, our Yugoslavia um, Balkan vets. But nope, nope, <laughs> still the same crap. And uh, it's because they're acting like an insurance agency. They're and Brock is of the belief, and he might be right, that there's an internal incentive system, and I'd love to see an internal audit to see if, if this is true, but there's an internal incentive system to not give out claims. Now, I don't know if that's true, but that, he's of that belief, and that, uh, there's actually very, very many people that, that believe that for sure. It's a common conversation in our community. If you ever saw the, um, uh, the movie... Uh, Mr. Incredible or the Incredibles mm. uh, about a fake superhero family. Yes, he works yes, as I an insurance it. agent and uh, yeah, he got incentives for turning things down. Uh, Brian Lilly, guest host on Full Comment this week, speaking with Mark uh, Meinke about the problems facing veterans and the issue of vets and maid. We'll continue the conversation in just a moment. We'll get back to the discussion around veterans and maid in a moment, but I want to continue the conversation, uh, Mark, by discussing services still. And you've described how difficult it is. You've described the uh, absolutely insane position where people have to prove that their legs have not grown back. In many ways, it sounds like our healthcare system. And when I speak to Americans about our healthcare system, and you know they, they'll have heard either wonderful things or horror stories, depending on who they talk to. And they ask me about it, and I say, well, the service is good when you can get in. Once you get in, are they looking after people? It's a fight. Um, If you need anything through Veterans Affairs Canada that isn't in the box, and it's a very small box. Uh, You go to the OSI clinic, which is the Operations Stress Injury Clinic, and you get talk therapy. 
or you talk to the shrink and you get pills. That's the box. Anything outside of that, <laughs> good luck. Uh, and that's why there are about 4,500 um, veterans agencies all over the place in, in Canada. And just little ones, little mom pops like myself or five-person um, agencies. And that's a big part of my show. I try to find as many of them as I can and bring them on the show to talk about the services that they offer. Um, because back is not the place that you can go for a retreat or for equine therapy or float therapy or psychedelics or any of the other things that have high efficacy. Um, you, you just can't go to back for that. And uh, some of the stuff like the ketamine clinics that are coming out, very high efficacy rate. Um, good luck getting it. I mean, they say that they're going to cover it, but it's a battle and a half to get them to actually cover it. And, and what's a ketamine clinic so they're pretty new uh there's two in calgary the newly and wayfound or wayfinders so it's a psychedelic um assisted therapy with medical professionals and the the science behind behind ketamine mdna psilocybin it's more and more studies coming out all the time but i can tell you i've had all these people on the show and including the people that have gone through the the therapies and it looks good it looks really good something like 80 percent of the people get significant help in a short amount of time as opposed to the osi clinic who their own internal numbers show an efficacy rate of between 12 and 16 percent that's it that's all you can expect so that's why i do what i do to try to find a better mousetrap after the first world war we just called it shell shock second world war there wasn't much how did uh, people like my grandfather deal with it? A couple of shots of rye on a Saturday watching the Leafs play. That was the way too many people dealt with it. Um, you would have thought that we would have gotten better, as you said. You're from the, the Balkan era. Now, friends that were in the reserves that went over and, and served. And I remember um, around the time that you would have been there running into one of them in a nightclub and uh, asked how he was doing and it broke down. Nobody would have thought of, of getting PTSD help back then because you should say, we didn't know about it. How can they still be failing at, at this? Do they still have the mindset that you've just got a, of the Second World War era? Has, has there been a, a, a change in outlook veterans affairs or are they just really really dated the usi clinics are less than 10 years old i mean actually having help for all this is new it's all new and different police agencies for the on the first responder side different agencies have different levels of supports some of them it's safe you can put up your hand and get help without it being a career killer others it's not safe. I know of one RCMP agent, uh, or, or one R- RCMP officer, rather, in Alberta right now. She got blackballed by her detachment. Blackballed because she asked for help. Uh, others, super supportive. So we're getting better, but we've got a long way to go. And just look at the business model of the Royal Canadian Legion. It's still, hey, get cheap beer here to medicate yourself. <laughs> I mean, uh, we haven't gone... Uh, gotten any better since world war one with the royal canadian legion is still a pub how about health clubs 
how about <laughs> closing down all these pubs that aren't making money anyway and, and open up a bunch of gyms, you know, and have a coffee corner in the, in the corner and maybe a couple of private uh, meeting rooms for, for veterans. That would be a model that makes sense because then you're actually supporting the health of veterans and let them have the sense of community that way. Because the, the Legion is so dead right now. It's just gone. You go there, and it's not a place for veterans anymore. Matter of fact, there's story after story, including a story that I personally experienced where an actual veteran walks in the Legion and gets escorted right back out. <laughs> Why? Well, it went kind of viral. I had... Um, in my personal experience, and unfortunately, it's not rare. I found out after my I posted this video of my response, but I was at the High River Legion, and um, I had just dropped off my youngest son at Air Cadets. They were following in their dad's footsteps. I was Army, but, you know, that's okay. Yeah, you can Air, forgive them. Air's okay. <laughs> but um, my oldest is an Army. But, uh, I well, I got a couple of hours to kill while my youngest boy's in Air Cadets. So I walk into the which should be my haven, right? Like, this is my, this is my house. This is supposed to be my house. And I walk in, and I uh, instantly get all these cold stares from all these um, bingo players. Like, ooh, that's uncomfortable. So I kind of uh, gingerly scoot, scoot around all these um, bingo players, and I, I go to the bar. I don't drink, but I, um, I asked if they have a non-alcoholic beer or something. And, oh, our bar's closed. Okay. Well, just so you know, I'm 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 a veteran. I'm just you know not Joe Blow. I am a veteran looking for a little refuge for the for a couple hours. Oh, okay. Well, you can have. There's a pitcher of water. Oh, okay. Uh, so then I saw that uh, the, the coffee actually was on. She just didn't tell me about it. So I, well, I'm going to go have a coffee. And there was an honor jar there. So I put five bucks in the honor jar uh, to to have my coffee. Grabbed a book off the shelf. Sat down and I'm reading. Uh, reading a book, having a coffee, and while they're B-52, you know, and just minding my own damn business. Well, about 10 minutes in, you have to leave. Well, I, I, don't, I, I don't get it. <laughs> like, what am I doing? And um, are, are they leaving? Are the bingo players leaving? And she said to me, no, they paid to be here. That didn't sink in, Brian, until about half an hour later after I left, and I went, wait a second. I'm pretty goddamn sure I paid to be here. <laughs> I paid in every way possible to be here. Mm-hmm. You know, those words sunk in later. But stories like that um, go on and on and on. And uh, the comment stream on the video I made of that uh, were just a litany of stories that are similar. You know, I, I didn't even think of the Legion as being a place that veterans could go get help, but it should be. Well, there's the, there's the pubs and then there's Northwest Command. And um, the, the reason I did that viral video is that when I first reached out for help at the beginning in 2017, it was the Legion that I reached out to, and they were Johnny on the spot. So I thought, what if I was a veteran in distress? What if I was suicidal that day? And what if I just was sitting there with my coffee and my book, working up the courage to ask for help because I was too embarrassed? What if that was the mm-hmm. case? And that's why I had to make the, the viral video. Because I've been that guy. I've been at the end of my rope. And to be treated like that, when it's supposed to be our house, it, um, I, had, I had to do it. If you were to advise the government 
that says veterans are asking for more than we can give right now. If you were to advise them, uh, what would be a few concrete steps that they could tell, take to help the veterans community and, and move away from this? Well, we can't help you, but we can help you kill yourself. Veterans Affairs Canada has to get burned to the ground and rebuilt. The leadership at the top is either unable or unwilling to make change. I don't know which it is, but they all got to go. And they got to get replaced with people that know how to make things happen. It's a giant bureaucracy right now, and it has to change. It's pretty simple. You get a bunch of stakeholders who are actually on the ground dealing with stuff like myself get a couple dozen of us together workshop us we'll come up with solutions uh just the other day i was talking about how vax should look it's a pretty simple model step number one quit making them gatekeepers when you have ptsd filling out paperwork is one of the most difficult things imaginable i don't know why it makes no sense to me my wife is scratching her head about it but that's just how it is jumping through these hoops is forcing us to do that is predatory so instead of that just assume we're not liars (laughs) right off the bat uh you know like who lies their ass off to get a an appointment with a shrink Hmm. it doesn't even make sense or who commits fraud so that they can get a ride in a float tank you know, like it, it, it doesn't make any sense. Or who commits fraud so that they can do equine therapy? It doesn't make sense. People don't do that. So remove the barrier to, to entry and turn service agents, uh, uh, caseworkers, into paper processors. And then you have outreach agents that physically go to veterans to their door and say, hey, how you doing on a regular schedule? Uh, especially if they have an open claim, and uh, and assess f- for for yourself. Have them as assessors to 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 see what you need in effort to try to help, not to try to. Um, uh, right now, there's private detectives that follow some of us around, trying to disprove us, trying to prove that we're liars and scammers. So, if you got the money to spend on private detectives, how about uh, outreach agents instead? Uh, I- Look, I've heard of things like that for workplace insurance because we've all heard the story of the guy who, oh, my, my back's bad, so I, I can't go to work. And then they're you know laying a brick driveway uh, <laughs> for their neighbor. That's not the case here, though. You, I mean, you, you're out of the service. If you put up your hand and you say you have PTSD, you're not getting a million bucks. As you say, you're getting an interview with a shrink. Yeah, I mean, there is a money uh, uh, claim at some point as well. Like, I'm living off of, um, off of a monthly pension right now from my injuries. Um, so, but it took five years of a meat grinder to get it. So I don't mind a bit of skepticism with that. But for immediate supports, for immediate help, to go see a, a psychologist or some sort of therapy that you're comfortable with, um, I don't care if it's forest bathing. Like, whatever somebody wants, just give it to them. Because they have to start somewhere. And it's better than them not starting at all. Uh, One of the... um, I get a lot of notes from my show. One of my favorites, or standouts, is a couple that reached out to me to say, this is what your show has done for me. My husband is 
terrified to reach out to Vac. So instead, we've been listening to your show together. As he's gaming, we have it playing in the background while I'm rubbing his shoulders. Then eventually, he could listen to it, just the two of us, without him gaming. And we listen, and we know that we're not alone. And now, after a year of doing that, using my show as a stepping stone to build that courage, he's in actual therapy now. Wow. You know? And that's how it has to be. It has to be a soft place to land. And why is it up to me to do the job of VAC? How is it that one guy by himself, with no resources other than my will, can find all these resources and vet them? Why can I do it, but VAC, with all their billions of dollars, can't? It's ridiculous. There's solutions that they're not even looking for. They're not even trying to find the solutions. And it's... um, People are dying as a result. Divorces are happening as a result. Suicides are happening as a result. And it's wrong. If you haven't already, I encourage everyone to check out Operation uh, Tango Romeo, otherwise known as Trauma Recovery Podcast, um, and the resources that Mark has up on his page. Uh, it's been a great conversation, Mark. Um, I thank you for uh, for taking the time and for... Uh, this second round of service that uh, seems like it might be going longer than your first round, helping people deal with what, what they have gone through. So uh, best of luck to you, and I hope we can chat again. Thanks, Brian. I really appreciate the conversation. I'm here anytime. Full Comment is a post-media podcast. I'm guest host Brian Lilly. This episode was produced by Andre Pru. Theme music by Bryce Hall. Kevin Libin is the executive producer of Full Comment. You can subscribe, and I encourage you to subscribe to Full Comment on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, Amazon Music. You can listen through the app or your Alexa-enabled devices, and you can help us by giving us a rating or leaving a review. Make sure you tell your friends. Share it on social media. Mostly, thanks for listening.